This episode of Locked On Aggies is brought to you by rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for the past 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck and write Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us section so they know we sent you. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com is the place to be. It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network. Talking all things Texas AM. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all the things Texas A&M, and today we're going to be breaking down why 2020 is a pivotal year in the Jimbo Fisher era. Now, keep in mind, Fisher signed a 10-year, $75 million guaranteed contract to become the head coach of the Aggies back in 2018. And despite going 17-9 and in his first two years, he hasn't exactly lived up to the expectations that a lot of A&M boosters and fans wanted him to be at. But more importantly, when you look at the allegations and the recent, uh, I guess, recruiting news going on around his name, this is a pivotal year. Not only because of the schedule, but more importantly because of the longevity of how long the Boosters, Ross Bjork, and all other Aggies can still support Jimbo in the process of becoming a true national contender in the SEC West. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media. At Mr. Cole Thompson, I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to make this show better, I will always be down to listen to and take advantage of. So give me a follow at Mr. Cole Thompson. And secondly, at Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things Texas A&M related content. So make sure you're subscribed to us on iTunes. Make sure you listen to us on Spotify. And if you can't do any of that, at least give us a shout out here on LockedOnPodcast.com. We got some news coming out of the... SEC, as the multi-million dollar question one A&M and most of the Southeastern Conference is wondering, when will college football return? And according to SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, there could be a process of moving forward in the next coming weeks. We said from the onset of this pandemic that the circumstances around the virus would guide our decision making, and it's clear recent developments related to COVID-19 have not been trending in the right direction. There are more important decisions to be made in the coming weeks, and by late July, we should know more to clarify about the fall season. Now, this is why it's such a big deal, and a lot of people are bringing this up into conversation. Because the Ivy League said Wednesday afternoon that they would announce that they would go ahead and shut down all of fall sports. So that includes football, that includes volleyball, that includes soccer, that includes a ton of other sports that a lot of people are not talking about. Uh, And more importantly, the football schedule is going to try to shift towards the spring. So even if football is played this year and it's played for the Ivy League, they would just play each other. They would do it in February, March, and I think April is the actual dates right now. So football which is a fall classic, is not going to be played. Instead, you're going to see those sports be played starting in January of 2021. Now, this is a trend that a lot of people are kind of 
on the fence about. And according to one Power 5 administrator who spoke to The Athletic, this could lead to a domino effect when it comes to the selection of college football. Here's the quote told by uh, the uh, administrator found on The Athletic website. My suspicion is that the majority of presidents in the football uh, football bowl subdivision are uncomfortable with the notion of playing football this fall, but for various reasons don't want to be the first to step out and say that. Um, It also provides others to cover underneath the Ivy League's purpose. So what he's saying is, is that the Ivy League will take the blunt hit because they're going to say, you know what, we're not doing football. We're not having it back. There's no chance of us coming back for the 2020 season. But we will come back in 2021 to guarantee our players another year of eligibility to make sure they have a chance to go out and play, have a good understanding with their team, go have one last chance to maybe impress some scouts, earn your way onto a roster in 2021, whether that be without a combine, whether that be the NFL draft gets pushed back, whether you condense kind of everything all together, we're going to do that for you. The question is, how many schools will follow? I think you look at this right now, and you can start seeing some smaller conferences, such as the Big East. The uh, I would go the maybe Big South. I would go the FCS programs, where North Dakota State plays, where Richmond plays, where Sam Houston here in uh, Huntsville, right outside of we are right outside of Huntsville. Huntsville's about uh, I want to say a little less than two hours away. They I think will start following this process, moving the season back further into the year. Maybe they start in November. Maybe they start after Thanksgiving. Maybe they start at the beginning of 2021. I think that that will be the move for them. The big question is these Power Five conferences. So that includes the SEC, the Big 12, the Big 10, the Pac-12, and the ACC. And then I would also say, let's throw in, just for perks and giggles, the AAC, which is the American Athletic Conference. All of them are cash grab, big time programs that make a lot of money during the fall semester. And a lot of these college towns economically depend on football being back for the fall semester. Now, again, I think that what you can do is you can move it to the spring semester and they still would be able to go out, get their money and keep some businesses alive. But if you look at it right now, the way that the world is going there's going to be a lot of businesses in a lot of local college towns that get shut down if football does not return this upcoming fall. And yeah, I think that you could definitely see some of these towns open back up and maybe they shut down temporarily and they're able to keep some money afloat just to pay the rent. And then when football comes back, they open back up. But right now, there's going to be so many things that go into the process of this because there's not every college town that is a UT in the heart of Austin, where business goes on during the day, and the school is just a part of the town. It's not like Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where the town is the university, and the university is the town, and there's not really a difference between the two. You see people drive to Birmingham to work, or you see local business owners owning a shop in a college town for college students to go to. Bloomington, Indiana, where the Hoosiers play. Same thing. It's definitely a college town. College Station, in my opinion, is right in the middle because if you do have 
Bryan close by. You do have some other smaller areas close by. Navasota, um, a few other smaller towns. And you do see people flock to College Station for work. But at the same time, it is a college town. A majority of the funds come from the college. So, for Sankey to come out and make statements that now the season is in jeopardy is a big deal. I do think that the players will have a season ahead. That is not a doubt in my mind. The question is, will it be played on September 5th when the Aggies are scheduled to host Abilene Christian? Will it be played in November when the Aggies were supposed to travel to Tuscaloosa, Alabama? Or post their final senior night with LSU? Is that when the season is going to start? All those things come into jeopardy. And I think the biggest thing that's going to decide what these Power 5 conferences do. Because at the end of the day... Here's the deal. You look at the New Year's Six Bowls, the Power Five conferences are represented in one non-conference game, whether that be the MAC, whether that be the AAC, whether that be, you know, even the Big East, whether it be the Mountain West with Boise State. One team is represented in that list. Everyone else, they're out. You're playing for the Camilla Bowl. You're playing for the Dollar General Bowl. You're playing for the New Orleans Bowl. That's your big game. Everyone else is playing for those New Year's Six college football playoffs. The second you see the Pac-12 or the Big 12, one of those two, because those are the two I think are going to be the first to make the announcement. When you see one of them say, we are suspending football for the 2020 season until January or until this date, I think you will start to see a domino effect of other schools following in the same footsteps. So, sure, college football might be a disappointment this year, but you know what else is a disappointment? Having someone steal your tailgate off the back of your truck. That's what happened to Ross Jackson here on Locked on Saints, and luckily he was able to find a brand new tailgate immediately with rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for the past 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules to brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. So whether you need to replace something or refine an old classic car, get everything you need with just a few easy clicks. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate through. Quickly use all the parts available and see which fits your vehicle best by brand, specification, and prices. Go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck and write in Locked On on their How'd You Hear About Us page so they know that we sent you. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts you will ever need, rockauto.com is the place to be. We're talking about Jimbo Fisher today and after the recent kind of scandal, recent reports coming out about him, how soon is that clock ticking before his butt is on the hot seat? Don't go anywhere. We'll be breaking down the positives and the negatives of the Jimbo Fisher era in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you love quality podcasts surrounding your favorite sports teams on a daily basis? If so, why not listen to a Locked On Podcast? The Lockdown Podcast has over two dozen college sports shows, plus every team covered in the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and of course, highlight information for your upcoming fantasy sports seasons. So, listen to us on Spotify, subscribe on iTunes, and if you don't want to do any of that, at least give us a follow here on LockedOnPodcast.com. 
Jimbo Fisher in 2018 signed a 10-year, $75 million contract to become the head coach of the Texas A&M Aggies. He replaced Kevin Sumlin, who at a reasonable point, was successful but never was able to get the job done in the big games. So instead, they offered him a 10-year, $75 million deal to leave Tallahassee and come to Texas, the Lone Star State, more specifically in College Station. Texas A&M Chancellor John Sharp presented Fisher with an undated national championship plaque. So even before he took a step onto campus, into the practice facility, and started recruiting, Sharp came out and said that this man is going to bring us back to the national title game. Well, two years into his college station career, it's a very Sumlin-esque type feel. Fisher's won 17 games, which is actually three less than Sumlin did in his first two seasons, and only two more than Sumlin tallied in his final two years at Aggieland. So you look at this deal right now, and you look at the comparisons because the biggest thing was a lot of people were done with Kevin Sumlin. And I totally understand. You look at that 10-2 and record that, that first year. That was a salvageable year. And a lot of that you can say was because of Cliff Kingsbury and the offensive mind who, because of that year, landed a job at his alma mater of Texas Tech and Johnny Manziel. Without Johnny Manziel, this is a very similar Gene Chizik 2010 Auburn feel with Cam Newton. Are the Tigers in the national title game without Cam Newton? No, not even remotely close. They're a 7-5 win team. Gene Chizik is gutted. And more importantly, the play calling was done by Gus Malzahn, who left for Arkansas State and one year later came back to become the head coach of the Tigers. So you look at Fisher thus far, and he's gone 9-4 in his first year if you include the bowl victory. And you include the 8-5 victory this past year after a Texas Bowl win over Oklahoma State, who was ranked number 25 that year and their only top 25 victory. You look at Kevin Sumlin, 11-2, 9-4. The biggest game he had to play in that 2012 season was against number one Alabama. The next year, not really the same. You look at the, you know, you look at the schedule, you look at how they played. They lost to number one Alabama. They lost to number 24 Auburn. They lost to number 18. Um LSU, they lost to number five, Missouri. Their only victory over a top 25 opponent was in the bowl game down in Atlanta in the Chick-fil-A Bowl against number 22, Duke, that year. So again, these two kind of even out. I think when you throw in last season for Fisher, a lot of people are going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I understand why, because you look at that 2018 season, he was... Minutes away from beating Clemson at home. And instead, he got his comeuppance and he got his comeback victory in the seven overtime victory over LSU. But keep in mind that Clemson this past year was ranked number one. They had to go to Clemson to play the number one team. They played well in the first half. And by well, I mean they held them. They got blown out in the second half. They got to host Alabama, who was number one this year, which, again, it was Alabama. You had four wide receivers who likely will be taken in the first round of the 2020 and the 2021 NFL drafts. You had the number five overall pick playing your quarterback position. They were probably going to lose, but this could have been a lot closer. Give it up for Kellen Mond and Jalen Weidemeyer in the third quarter. They had some good success, but they ultimately lost. And then you travel to Baton Rouge for a night game on a senior night against possibly the greatest offense we will ever see 
in the college football era. And if it's not that, at least one, if not the greatest college football offense in the SEC with Joe Brady and Joe Burrow taking control. They got obliterated by Burrow, who eventually won the Heisman two weeks later and was named the number one overall pick in last April's draft to the Cincinnati Bengals. You take all that out, they only had two losses to ranked opponents, and that was to Auburn, which was a close one, 28-20, and to Georgia, in Georgia. That was a game that probably could have gone A&M's way if not for the final closing seconds. The weather was an implication, so it kind of harbored and made both teams a little bit more even. Jake Fromm could do nothing with the ball in his hands. And overall, this was a very stout game for A&M and the offense. But I think the reason why we're talking in a negative spotlight on a coach who has a 10-year contract trying to rebuild a program, think about this. The only other coach with a 10-year deal in any sport right now is John Gruden out in Las Vegas with the Raiders. He's the only other coach with that long of a deal. So you look at this. The biggest reason why I think we're all looking at this deal is because of the success that Fisher has had with quarterbacks. And he was able to turn a freshman into a Heisman Trophy winner at his time at Florida State. And he was kind of brought in to enhance Kellen Mond and recruit quarterbacks to become the face of the SEC. Because really in the SEC, if you have great quarterback play or a great offensive line, you're going to be able to win. And those are things that A&M has had in the past, at least with the offensive line. It was time for them to go get a big-time quarterback. And Kellen Mond threw more touchdowns in 2018 over his 2019 campaign. By four, actually. This is going to be a big process to follow moving forward, is how the progression of the quarterback position is. Because keep in mind, from his early days at Auburn, when he was a quarterback's coach, quarterback's assistant coach, by the way, with Bo Nix's father, this was a kid who has made his mark working with pocket passers and dual threat guys. So if he cannot find success in College Station at the position he is garnered for and respected for throughout the entire college football realm, this is a big problem. And this is why I think people are starting to get the impression of can Jimbo Fisher actually handle the pressure of being in the SEC. So what are some things that you're going to have to see from Fisher in 2020 to definitely solidify him as the future head coach of the Aggies past the 2021 season? Don't go anywhere. We'll be breaking down those thoughts in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. The biggest thing about Jimbo Fisher that we've been talking about is his quarterback progression. Now, that's not to say that modern Fisher can't turn things around in 2020. Perhaps they can, but Fisher isn't being paid that type of money, which is $7.5 million a year to be a neutral guy. You're not brought into the SEC, more specifically the SEC West, on that contract to be an average guy, to be someone who goes 8-4 and four every year and says it's a good job, and you know what, we did the best we could. You're there to go 10-2. and two. You're there to go 11-1, and 12-0, and, and a down year is 9-3. and three. A abysmal year is 7-5. and five. An atrocious needs to be fired on the spot is 6-6 six and six or less. 
That's what you do when you bring in a guy for $7.5 million every season. You want him to take that next jump. And has he been worth the $75 million price tag? Not even close. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things to where I think that you can definitely see him be a better guy and definitely, I think, better improve his staff. Here's the first thing. A lot of these players now are his recruits. Keep in mind that the first two years, a lot of players who were brought in were brought in by someone. They were someone-based recruits. Now, while you do have some veterans such as Jamon Osbin, Buddy Johnson, Kellen Mond, most of these players that he's brought in are now Jimbo Fisher-esque players. This is the type of player that he wants to run his offense. This is the type of player he wants to work in Mike Elko's defense. These are the type of players. And the Aggies will return 16 starters, which ties for the most in the SEC. Uh, you got to keep this in mind that in the Aggies were ranked number 15 in the 2017 talent rankings, according to the metrics provided by 24-7 Sports. They moved to number 12 in 2019 as part of the group of selections by Bud Elliott's blue chip ratio heading into the 2020 season. So what I'm saying is you look at most of these guys coming back, the talent level's there because of most of these guys have been playing together. You look at the offense. The offensive line is returning every single starter. Now, will every single player on that offensive line be a starter in 2020? That's a question we don't know the answer to right now. A wide receiver. You have Jamon Osmond coming back. You have Jalen Weidemeyer coming back. You have Cameron Buckley, who wasn't a starter full-time, but he knows the offense very well, coming back. You have a ton of young talent, such as Demon Demas and, of course, Moosin Muhammad III coming in and making an impact. So you have these guys who can make that jump to play with these veteran talents. Here's the biggest thing. It all has to come together. Texas A&M is one of the four SEC teams to not have a coordinator or scheme change during this unorthodox season. So in theory, everything that's coming back just is going to be tweaked up. Everything that's going to be brought to the people's attention is just going to be moved up. It's just going to be put together. You're just going to see it be a little bit more successful. You're just going to see it be productive. You wanted to see it take that next leap. You're not going to have a lot of changes. Mike Elko's coming back for the defense, and Fisher's going to call the offense again. It's the same system. So now you have the bank on most of his players making his system work. And that includes young guys such as Damani Richardson, DeMarvin Leal, and even younger talents such as Antonio Richardson, Antonio Doyle, uh, Jalen Johnson, Joshua Moten. I mean, all of these guys who are coming in, Brian George, you have to make the system work. That's the other big thing that you look at because they're pretty much the exact same system. Think about this. Even if the season is on a shorter schedule, the SEC West took a lot of hits this offseason. LSU pretty much lost their entire roster and coaches because of the success of the 2019 season, and they're going to be starting fresh without 2019 Heisman Trophy winner Joe Burrow. Alabama, who was expected to go... 12 and 0 last year, lost two of their star receivers, one of their premier tackles, their starting quarterback, and depth on defense. You look at Auburn. Auburn's going to have Bodix coming back, 
but there's going to be four new starters on the offensive line. And the defense took a massive blow in the trenches with Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson going to the NFL. You look at this SEC West. It is probably the most competitive and equal playing field for all seven teams. That's a lie. For the top four teams. Let's just go. Let's just be honest. The top four teams. For Auburn, for LSU, for AM, and for Alabama. All of them have a flaw, but all of them, I think, can contend for the SEC title in 2020. Now, keep in mind, their schedule is easier. So, Fisher cannot come up with excuses for why they lost the big game. They're playing an average, at best, South Carolina team. The possible worst team in the SEC with Vanderbilt. And they took out Clemson for Colorado, who just went through a head coaching change with Mel Tucker going up to Michigan State this past offseason. They have home games against LSU, home games against Ole Miss, they have a neutral game against Arkansas, which is unfortunately you can't control. And then they have two road games, which are going to be the only difficulty. And to me, that's Auburn and Alabama. Those are their two difficult road games. They should be able to win in Starkville. They should. Fisher and AM will be in the thick of the SEC West and college football playoff race especially going into the month of November when they close out the year in Tuscaloosa before hosting for their senior night with a ton of seniors very similar to LSU-esque 2019 in the end of November. The expectations will be high, and this is going to be a year for Fisher to take that next jump. He has to. I've mentioned this before that 10-2 and is not going to fly by in 2020 for A&M. 11-1 is excusable because if you can drop a game to Auburn on the road, the Plains is tough to play in. You can drop a game in Brian Denny Stadium. That's a tough one. That's your only loss or those are your only two losses. You cannot lose to LSU at home, especially with a rebuilt, completely retooled system. You cannot lose to South Carolina in South Carolina. You cannot lose to Mississippi State in Starkville. You cannot lose to Arkansas. And then you have such easy games. You have Vanderbilt. You have Abilene Christian, Fresno State, North Texas, Colorado. You have to win those games. All those games, you have to win. You have one loss on your record, and it's a successful season. If not, there are more questions about Jimbo Fisher's coaching style because of what's going to happen is if they lose those games, it's because of quarterback play. It's because Fisher is inadequate with getting Mond to his next level of potential. He's not going to be able to put in Haynes King. And if King struggles, part of that's because he's a freshman. Part of that's because of the system. And more importantly, if the offensive line is the only problem, then at least you can hold your head up high saying it's not the quarterback's fault. But you still need to be able to throw for over 4,000 yards. You still need to be able to find the end zone. You still have to be able to score. You cannot be a 9-3 team with this schedule. You cannot be a 9-3 team after going 17-9 to start your career. And you cannot be playing in the Texas Bowl. You have to be playing in a big-time bowl game. A New Year's Six Bowl is being generous. If you can make it to the SEC Championship, to at least guarantee your spot in the Sugar Bowl. 
I think a lot of AM fans will calm down. But if not, you have more than just a $75 million problem on your hand up at College Station, Jimbo Fisher. You might be starting to have to start freshening up your resume and maybe even going back down to offense coordinator for a year just to see where you fit in the league. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. And make sure with the NBA coming back, you listen to Locked on NBA. We have the Orlando Invitational coming up in just a few weeks, and we need to keep in mind where these players are going. We'll see you next time. And remember, you give me all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.